Hello and welcome back to English from the North, the podcast for learners of English with an intermediate to advanced level who want to enjoy their English with a bit more of a Scottish twist. Once more, my name is Lewis and welcome back to the podcast. In this episode today, we're going to be dealing with a topic that has come up, personally for me, has come up a few times in my life and in general can cause learners of English a little bit of confusion. That is sort of this debate, not debate, but the whole thing around national identity in the UK, this whole British, Scottish, English, you know, what do you identify as and where does it all come from? It's happened to me personally, like I say, the last time was when I was in Madrid last year in April of 2023. I was on holiday, I was staying in an Airbnb with guys I'd stayed with before the last time I was in Madrid in 2021 and obviously I hadn't seen them in a few years. We were catching up and I'd said, oh, you know, Scotland this, Scotland that, kind of telling them about the situation. And then at one point later on, I said, oh, you know, since Brexit, it's really hard being British. It's hard getting a visa. It's, it's very difficult being a British citizen. And one of the guys said, hmm, you, so you're British then? And I said, well, yes, I am. Like, legally, I am British. But you said you were Scottish. And I'm like, well, yeah. So you're both? Yes. Well, how can you be both? And I went, well, because, and I had to sort of explain the kind of situation. It kind of really made me realise, and it kind of came up with my students, you know, when I was an English teacher working for this academy, teaching people online who were based in Spain, that sometimes the whole distinction between the UK, Great Britain, British, Scottish, English, it can all be a bit confusing. So I thought, best to just make an episode now to explain it because no doubt in the future I will say things like oh I'm British oh I'm Scottish and, and things like that and it's better to, to do this now to avoid any kind of confusion. So where does it all come from? Well in order to really understand where the modern kind of identity comes from we need to go back in time we need to go back to history and we go all the way back to 1603. Before 1603 Scotland and England were separate countries. They were ruled by different kings, they had different parliaments, they were for all we'd say for all intents and purposes completely separate countries. Wales that we're also going to talk about was Wales history is a bit of a sad story unfortunately. Wales was basically conquered by the English in the 12th century and has kind of been a part involved with England kind of ever since. Wales never really existed as a country when we think about countries in terms of just to get really historically specific, the whole idea of like countries and national identities really starts to take shape in about the 17th century with the Treaty of Westphalia and stuff like that, but that's a, a, a story for another time. So unfortunately, Wales never really has existed as an independent country during the time that we would kind of think about countries and, and stuff like that. But we're still going to talk about Wales today. We're going to put Ireland to one side. I know Ireland are part, at least part of Ireland is part of the UK, but Ireland is a a whole other story that merits a separate episode to itself. It's a very, very complicated and very, very difficult story that I'm sure I'll, I'll cover at some point. So basically, Scotland and England existed as separate countries in 16, up until 1603. And what happened in 1603, basically, was Queen Elizabeth I of England died. And that caused a problem because she didn't have any children. She was very famous for sort of never having any children or anything like that. So she didn't have a successor. She didn't have someone to take over from her. She didn't have someone to, to take the throne, or at least nobody really clear. So when that kind of thing happened sort of 400 years ago, 500 years ago, normally there would be a war to figure out who, who gets the throne. However, in the case of, of, in this case, the English nobles had a lot of luck because 
One of her relatives was the King of Scotland. King James VI of Scotland was her, I believe her nephew or something like that. In any case, James's mum, Mary, was Mary Queen of Scots and she was the cousin of Elizabeth I. So there was this family connection. So James inherited the throne of England and he became James VI of Scotland and James I of England. So he was the king of both countries. He moved down to London, he took his court, he took all his nobles and he moved down to London because London was the bigger city, more important, more powerful, with more people. You know, at this point there was a million people living in Scotland and 10 million living in England. So for him, it made sense to move down to, to London. And fun fact or interesting point about that, maybe not such a fun fact, but James moved down and he was the last monarch to visit Scotland, the last monarch of the UK, Great Britain, Scotland, England, to visit Scotland until the 19th century with, I believe it was William IV. So we went a long time without having a, a king come to visit. So with the union of the crowns, Scotland and England at this point for the next hundred years existed as two separate countries, two separate parliaments, but ruled by one king. We call this the union, union of the crowns, like I say. And this sort of lasted until 1707. And in 1707, basically what happened was Scotland tried to get in on the whole colonial empire. We tried to build our own colonial empire. We tried to colonize an area of Latin America called the Darien Gap in Panama, and it was a disaster. It's a terrible place to build colonies, even now in this day in Darien. Nobody lives there. It's far too difficult to live. It's this thick jungles and all this kind of stuff. And Scotland basically had invested 20% of all the money in the country in this colonial empire. Other countries, England, France, and Spain conspired to sort of screw us over as well. They, they kind of got in and they didn't want us getting a colony as well. Basically the whole thing was a disaster. Scotland was bankrupt. And so all these nobles had to go to England to basically ask for help because they were, they were, they were screwed. What came of this? was the union of the parliaments. They signed over basically the sort of freedom of Scotland, I guess you could say. The Scottish Parliament was dissolved, it was taken away and removed, and the whole of the UK was ruled from, well, at this point was Great Britain, was ruled from London, from the parliament called Westminster, which is the, the main parliament of the UK nowadays. And this is where sort of Great Britain starts to emerge. This is where Great Britain comes from. Interesting point about the names. We're going to be talking about sort of Great Britain today. For those of you that don't know, so the full title, when we talk about the UK, the full title of the UK is it's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And Great Britain refers to sort of the big island. If you look at a map of the British Isles, or some people like to say nowadays the British and Irish Isles, Great Britain is the big island, which composes Scotland, England and Wales. Ireland is currently composed of the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. But like I said, in, in this episode, we're not going to talk about about Ireland. We're just going to focus on Great Britain and we're just going to focus on England, Wales and Scotland. So we all kind of joined together in 1707. Great Britain starts to exist. This is when we get the Union flag that we, we know today, or at least a, an early sort of form of the Union flag. A lot of people refer to it as a Union Jack. A little side note there. A Jack is a flag that is only, well, a flag is a, a Jack when it's on a boat. 
but obviously the UK had a very powerful navy for lots of time, so it was often referred to as the Union Jack, and that's where the name comes from now. But technically, it's, when it's on land, it's the Union Flag, and when it's on a boat, it's the, the Union Jack. So although Scotland and England were unified and there was only one parliament, certain things lasted kind of even to this day. Back in the 18th century, Scotland and England had separate laws. You had Scots law and English law, and this kind of thing lasted till today. You still have Scots law and English law, it was, it was separate. So there always was this kind of distinct kind of national identity. Scotland always was kind of a, a separate thing. Like, we, and indeed England as, as well, and Wales. We always talk about the UK nowadays as being like a country of countries, because that's technically where it came from. It came from two countries joining together. We weren't conquered, we kind of joined together, but we preserved our laws, we preserved our, our national identity, and that kind of lasted until today. So what's the situation like today? Well, in Great Britain, you have these three countries. You've got Scotland, England, and Wales. And for example, each has their own kind of unique things that you would expect a country to have. We all have our own flags. In Scotland, we have the St. Andrew's Cross. In England, you have the St. George's Cross. And in Wales, you have the, the flag of Wales with the, the dragon on it, <laughs> which is just you know, fantastic. Nice to, nice to see things like that. Each country has, well, their own languages. Wales, they, they speak Welsh as well as English. English, obviously, English. And in Scotland, we normally we speak English. However, we also have Gaelic, which is like Irish Gaelic. But in Scots, we say Scots Gaelic. And we also have Scots, which is its own, well, depending on who you ask, it's either its own language or it's a dialect of English. It's a bit sort of a controversial topic. I think for me personally, where the confusion comes from is a lot of people think that they speak Scots, whereas what they actually speak is what we'd call Scots English, which is basically like English, but with a lot of Scots words mixed in. I'm going to do an episode on Scots at some point, but to give you an example of what Scots is like, for example, in Scots, we wouldn't say no, like I know what you mean. We'd use the word ken, we'd say I ken what you mean. We'd say other things like verbs like ing verbs or negative verbs like don't for example we wouldn't say don't we'd say dinny we wouldn't say going we'd say goni and things like that so it has these kinds of features but again you know we'll, it's, so it, and it is a different language it's what's called mutually intelligible with english and if you don't know what mutually intelligible means it just means if a language or if two languages are mutually intelligible speakers of these languages can understand each other with little to no problems. So for example, Swedish and Norwegian are mutually intelligible with each other. Somebody speaking Norwegian and somebody speaking Swedish can have a conversation where one speaks their own language. And Scots and English is like that. However, it's it's easier for a Scots speaker to understand an English speaker than the other way around. It's a bit like Spanish and Portuguese, for example, as well, or Catalan and Spanish things like that. So these nations in, in the UK nowadays or in Great Britain have, we have our own national identities, we have our own flags, we have our own languages, we have our own national anthems, we have our own sports teams. So in the rugby, for example, Scotland has its own team, England has its own team, Wales has its own team, same with football. In the Olympics, because the Olympics is done differently, we compete together as the, the UK and Northern Ireland competes with the UK. In football, just to know, just to give a little bit of, of background on sort of Ireland and things like that. In the football, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland compete as separate teams. In rugby and in cricket, they compete as one team, just called Ireland. So you, you see, it gets it gets quite confusing. This is why we're going to leave Ireland for, for another time. So that's kind of generally the situation. So how does national identity fit into this? If we have our own sort of distinct national identities, we have our own flags, we have our own anthems, we have our own languages, how do people identify? And the answer is, well, really, it depends. 
it depends on the person, depends on personal circumstances, depends on political beliefs, depends on what part of the country you live in, in certain cities depends on what football team you support, believe it or not. So for example in Glasgow, if you support Rangers, you're probably more likely to identify as British. If you support Celtic, you're, I would say, not going to identify as British or very very unlikely that somebody that supports Celtic would identify as British and that's generally how people identify people some people identify as Scottish some people identify as Scottish and British some people identify as just British and it's the same in England and the same in Wales as well so how do I identify well I would say that I identify as Scottish in, in first place for me definitely if someone asks me where are you from I say Scotland or you know, what, what are you? It's a bit, a bit of a strange question, what are you? But I would say, well, I'm, I'm Scottish, you know. If somebody, for example, if I'm abroad and I'm in a country where they don't speak the language and somebody would say to me English, they could be saying, do you speak English or are you English? So I always say, well, Scottish, but yes. So as I'd like to say, well, no, I'm Scottish, but I speak English. So I always identify firstly as, as Scottish. Although I would say that for me personally, it's about 85%, 15%. And that is that I would say I'm about 85% Scottish and about 15% British. Because I take a kind of, I'd say, pragmatic, a very kind of practical view on it. For example, my passport says I'm a British citizen. Whether I like it or not, I'm British. I don't, don't have a choice in that. We had our, our independence referendum in 2014. We lost. I say we. I voted yes at the time and the, the yes campaign lost. And I'll go into that at, at some point as well, talk about the, the independence situation and all that. But for me, I guess I say, well, you know, whether I like it or not, I'm, I'm British, technically, legally, but my sort of main identity, my main national identity is Scottish. To give you another example, my parents are very, very strong believers in Scottish independence. They, I believe that it's 100%, it is like Scotland's destiny to be independent, it is the best thing for the country. They believe in it so strongly. They would not, in any uncertain terms, say that they are British. They would say they are Scottish 100%. They recently got their new passports, through. They had to renew their passports and they both hate the fact that their passports say they are British citizens. They wish with all their hearts that they could be Scottish citizens in an independent Scotland. And I mean, that's okay. That's their their, their view. That's their, you know, they're entitled to that. But that's just to give you an idea of how, you know, certain people in the country identify. There are also people that believe 100% that they are British, that being part of the UK is the best thing, that the Scottish Parliament that was brought back in 1999 should be abolished and everything should be ruled from Westminster. And again, you know, that's that's their opinion. They're they're entitled to that to that opinion as well. But you see it's quite a complicated thing and it's quite a personal thing. The reason I say I'm 15% British, I would say it's, it's not a very strong feeling for me, the whole idea of being being British. I don't watch the Olympics. I don't really support Team GB. I'm not really a big fan of Olympic sports. But there are certain things, certain shared cultural things about the UK that I like. For example, you know, everybody in the UK has fish and chips and quite, quite enjoy fish and chips. It's a bit of a silly thing to say, but you know, there's that. Afternoon tea, high tea. If you don't know what afternoon tea or high tea is, it's this kind of meal that you would maybe see in like a, a we'd say a period drama, a drama about history, like Downton Abbey or, or something from the Victorian, you know, with these kind of little cakes and little sandwiches and scones and, and things like that. And that, you know, I quite like that, like going to, you know, a cafe or even sometimes even a fancy hotel to have a, an afternoon tea. That's a shared, you know, British thing. Other thing that comes of it, I, I quite like the royal family in the UK. There are lots of Scottish people that don't, but I, I quite like them. I think that the king does a good job. I, I, I was very, very sad when the Queen died. Still a bit sad that Queen Elizabeth II's 
died. You know, I think she was a great, a great person. I much prefer looking at the world nowadays. I much prefer having a, a monarchy than having a, a, a president. I look at the politicians, the, all of the politicians in the UK, and I think that they, they do a pretty terrible job. And I think that, you know, I don't want to have a another politician have another president uh, you know some a president in charge i think it's good that we have the monarchy and they don't do anything political again i'll talk about the monarchy in the future i personally think it's it's good that you know they just don't get involved and they're just kind of there but i i, I quite like them and that's i guess kind of part of being you know british liking the, the things like that i mean there are british people that think we should have a, a republic as well and it's a kind of a, another another thing but the point is is that there are these shared things that i quite like but at the same time you know i can't shake that the scottish part of me is the most strong it's the thing that i'm the most proud of it's how i identify when you know i go abroad and i, I talk to people so i think that about about covers it for for today but i just wanted to kind of make this episode just to kind of clarify how people identify how it all works and basically that's that's it that's it really i give you my own my own personal insight also you know kind of talking about some some people that i know but basically in the future from talking about the uk and things like that or political events and things like that sometimes i'll say scottish sometimes i'll say british and that's just kind of an explainer why so yeah i think that about wraps it up for today if you have any questions about this episode because i know it can be a bit confusing feel free to send me an email the link to the transcript is in the description and i hope you'll have a wonderful day and i'll see you in the next episode so bye bye